Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is creative ministry spaces. Specifically, we're going to talk today about the Northeast Indoor Park. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook, and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, let's start with the creative ministry spaces. Yeah. What does that mean? (laughs) What I mean by this is this idea that our buildings, our facilities can be used for more than just the ideas that we have or have had for decades about ministry. Okay. So a big classroom doesn't only have to be for Sunday school. You can use it in more creative ways. Big church fellowship hall or a church basement doesn't have to be used for wedding receptions and the fellowship hour after church, Mm -hmm. right? You can expand your ideas and use those spaces for creative things. For us, that has meant that the big giant church basement downstairs, a great big 3,000 square foot space about the same size as a basketball court, Mm -hmm. has been used as an indoor park, Yes. Spoiler alert, we don't actually tape the Church Basement podcast in the Church Basement. Too (laughs) many hard spaces. It's true. Okay, so you're actually ministering to these people in these creative ways, or is it more just using the building off hours? I think that depends upon your attitude as you go into it. I think that if you only count ministry as the moments when you are specifically saying the words Jesus or God— or the minutes that you are teaching someone how to sing Jesus Loves Me or, or whatever. If you define things that way, then it's not going to look like ministry. It's going to look like building rental. Okay. But when we think about our ministry in broader terms, when we think of it as being a place of welcome and a place of safety, okay, a place where people can rest and be themselves or have their needs met, that that is indeed ministering and being a part of the kingdom of God then absolutely, this is a ministry. And we certainly, over the decades that this has existed, have not made a bunch of money on this. No, I didn't think that was actually the goal. (laughs) Nope. And so it's not for profit. They were trying to set up a business model here. It is a ministry to the community because it's something that we're offering as a part of being a part of the neighborhood. Okay. So when it came down to deciding to do this, whose decision was that? Is it another congregational thing? Is it a pastor-led thing? This idea of having an indoor play park? Yes, or all creative ministry spaces. Oh, great question. In regards to the indoor play park, the decision was made over (laughs) older than me. Nice. Right? I believe that it was in the mid-1970s that this decision was made. That's fabulous. Isn't it? And so we'll talk a little bit more about the history of Northeast Indoor Park here in a minute, but specifically when it comes to kind of opening your building and how you do that and how you create ministry partnerships and collaborations and multiple building users, that sort of thing. Lots of churches do it different ways. And there's lots of literature and lots of magazines out there right now talking about, oh, this is the new wave. This is the way to go. And I think that it is for many of us who had congregations that were built in the 1950s. You know, the builder generation built a lot of facilities. And they're fairly sizable. Some of them are absolutely very sizable. When you've got the baby boom, you need space for all those little Mm -hmm. ones. So these facilities were built with lots of room. And now we're having fewer children. Fewer people are participating in organized religion. And we still have these big, gigantic buildings that we are taking care of. Uh Uh-huh. 
if we can open them up and welcome people in, I think that that is one of those pieces where it needs to be something that your church infrastructure, your elected leadership is on board with and is participating in, setting the rates and helping to figure out how you have people come and go. It is much more complex. The more groups you have, the more complex it becomes, right? Eventually, we're now seven years into doing this on a pretty significant and dedicated basis with kind of some mission and ministry ideals behind it. Mm -hmm. And now you're talking beyond the play park itself. Exactly. Just creative ministry spaces being like anywhere in our building. How do we use every single room that we have in some creative way? And that is showing us we need policies. We need procedures. Sure. We need things in place to give us guidelines about how to say yes and how to say no. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of that is a a challenge and beautiful work and can be absolutely amazing when it comes together. Sure. Think about that big art piece down on your way down to the indoor park Mm -hmm. and the beautiful community celebration concert festival that we had last year. And that was one of those beautiful moments. And the artwork that's up shows that community beauty that can be really astonishing when we get it all together. Excellent. Okay, now let's turn to the indoor play park itself as sort of a model or at least a specific thing to talk about when we're talking some of these other issues. So you said it was started in the 70s, and I'm assuming the moms of the congregation were like, hey, I want a place for my kids because we're in the Pacific Northwest where it rains a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I wish I had a better idea on that, but I can imagine... Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of like something like that. We have this incredible, ginormous, empty room. And we have another big empty room upstairs directly across from the sanctuary mm-hmm. because we have a big fellowship hall up on the main level. And the basement is down there and maybe wasn't getting the same kind of use that it was in the 1950s and 60s. Maybe there weren't as many wedding receptions and evening parties and evening dinners and those kinds of things anymore. And it is the Pacific Northwest. We get a lot of rain. Yes, we do. And in Northeast Portland, there aren't a lot of parks in our neighborhood. Well, even if there are parks, how much mud do you want to clean off everything? Right. Right. We do have, like, I'm thinking Holiday Park is within five, ten blocks of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there's another park over by the Fred Meyer. Yes. There's there's a a tiny little little park there. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there's just not a lot of green space for playing. And... As you said, it's wet Mm -hmm. and cold. Mm -hmm. And so the question was where to go to play, where to go to have the kids run in circles and get the big energy out. Sure. The indoor park was started, and I have no idea how it was staffed, no idea how it was brought up. What I do know is that for a little while it was run as a co-op. Oh, okay. That there was actually a a co-op and a board, and it was run separate from Central Lutheran for quite some time. And then at some point in time, the care and maintenance of it was turned back to Central Lutheran. Okay. So, and that was long before I ever arrived that it came back to Central Lutheran. Okay. Well, let's look at it now. How do you decide what the hours are and who's in charge of essentially opening the door? That's a great question. Right now, it's our office administrator. Okay. And we set our office administrator's hours based on the indoor park hours. Oh, okay. And we're in transition with the office administrator position because the person who has been doing it for some time Mm -hmm. found a full-time employment, which we're so excited for her. 
sad for us. It leaves us uh, without anyone in the front office for now. We are having someone come in soon and get trained, but we're not there yet. Sure. For now, the volunteers are making certain the doors open at 9 a.m. And the park currently runs from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Good hours for kids. Good hours for kids, right? And then we close it up and the person is gone at 3.30. So after counting the money and doing all the kinds of things like that. Well, how much do you charge for something like this then? Historically, the fees have been $3 per kid, $5 per family per visit. About two and a half, maybe three years ago, we thought let's give a monthly pass a chance and see how that would go. The balance with it, of course, is that the office administrator is also doing our bulletins and our newsletter, answering the phones. That's a lot of little cash coming in and out, though. It's also the constant interruptions. Yeah. So you might be in the middle of a task and clearing out your email or writing the bulletin up, and there's constant interruptions from people coming in to give you a couple bucks here and there for the park. So we thought, well, let's try a a monthly pass, and then that will ease the situation (laughs) You could just flash your pass and go on downstairs because we know we have your liability waiver signed for however long and all that. So that was an attempt. It's gone fairly well. That was $12 per month. And then we just charged $12 per month for as many visits as you wanted to do. That sounds brilliant. It was a good deal. Uh, Not a ton of people took advantage of it. Oh, interesting. Some people did. Sometimes they would do a three-month pass. But it really depends upon the rhythm of the family and how frequently they're coming. So we recently just did a massive renovation. Okay, of was the that park. sparked by usage that it had gotten to the point where it just needed to be done, nope. or is this something else? It was something else. Okay, it was the flooring needing to be replaced. Oh, nice. So I had several years ago, maybe four years ago, been downstairs skating in the basement. And when I was skating, I noticed that there were tiles that were coming loose. Mm, I could not hear good. them under my wheels, mm-hmm. that there were loose tiles. And so I got a good look at the floor while I was skating in slow circles mm-hmm. and brought up that we really needed to do something about the floor. And so over the last four years, we have done fundraisers. For example, the big cabaret fundraiser that's coming up this weekend. Sure. The proceeds and monies from that go towards projects like this. Okay. And so for the last several years, proceeds from the cabaret fundraisers have been put towards the basement flooring project. And we spend a ton of time researching and looking at and determining the best product to put down there. Sure. Whether it would be tile or whether it be laminate or whether it, you know, what kind of floor or carpet or carpet squares or a floating... You know, what is the kind of flooring that we were going to use? As a nonprofit, do you have all the code issues that everybody else has? In similar ways. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you just want to make sure that you're putting something into a publicly used high traffic space that is going to have long-term sustainability. Sure. The last time flooring was put down in that room was 1950. Mm. It lasted. It lasted, right? A really long time, almost 70 years. And so when we were going to be making an investment, we wanted to make certain that we made an investment that was enough to give us a high quality item down there, high quality flooring. Well, once you decide to do the flooring in a room. Oh, scope creep is what the technical term for that is. (laughs) Right. Well, if you're going to do that, you you might as as well. well do this. 
you might as well paint the walls. Sure. And if and you're, you're going to do that, uh-huh, uh-huh. then you may as well fix the ceiling tiles. Mm. And if you're going to fix the ceiling tiles, well, you may as well fix the lighting fixtures. You're already down there. And it's out of commission. Right? If you're going to fix the lighting fixtures, you may as well swap them all over to LEDs. You and have if you're... just described my kitchen. <laughs> Any major renovation exactly. project, right? So... The amazing thing is, is that the amount of work that has been done for this renovation has been astounding, right? So all the light fixtures were updated and switched over to LED and light covers that had been hit by basketballs were replaced and new ceiling paint was put on and new paint on the walls and cement repaired from being chipped out for hiding, putting things up and new big bulletin boards for clean communication, all kinds of stuff. All this work was done. One of the little pieces that I was just astonished by, but it makes such a difference, right? You know the vents in your house from your heater system that you don't think about very much, and then you really look at them. And they're kind of gross. And they're kind of gross, and they're coated in dust. And Uh they're, mm mm-hmm. So all of those were taken down, cleaned, and freshly sprayed. Wow. That's a task all in of itself. Right. And it makes such a difference to just have it looking clean. So all of that work was done, as well as taking some of the old pews uh-huh. that had been down there. The pews had been down around the edges for people to sit on sure, that while makes the sense. kids were playing. But after a little while, like the ones that had upholstery... We used to allow food and drinks down there. Oh, oh, that's a bad mix. And so coffee... It's hard to get raisin out of things. <laughs> it really, really they is. They like to grind into fabric. <laughs> and coffee with milk in it. Oh. Right? So the old upholstered pews were taken out, and the pews that were just beat up that didn't have upholstery on them, but a couple of them had been up in the balcony, sure. actually. And we had balcony pews taken out... That had been damaged by water damage, uh-huh. and they were taken to the basement, sanded, and repainted. Oh, lovely. And so now we have these beautiful blue pews all around the broom. And I'll tell you what, watching the moving company take the big, heavy oak pews and put them over the balcony railing and drop oh, them down because wow. that's the only way they could get them downstairs well it is the path that is the shortest <laughs> this is astonishing so all of this work all these little pieces happened because we needed to replace the floor uh-huh. and we ended up going with a carpet and it's beautiful and the color scheme is lovely. Lots of conversation about the color scheme and so many paint swatches on oh, the sure. walls over the winter. So many paint swatches to get the right color mm-hmm. because a basement has no windows. Mm-hmm. And so you want it to be brighter. And welcoming. And welcoming. And that's a really hard thing to do without sunlight. Sure. Now, so all of this. All of this has led to price increase. Sure. Right. So... We will be changing the pricing structure, not in order to recoup costs. The cost for the renovation, which was about Mm, mm $30,000, was money that was raised over time, and an anonymous donor gave a substantial gift towards it. So the money had been raised, but what increasing the cost, it will be $5 per child per visit. Okay. It is still lower than 
pretty much any other park in the area. Uh huh. And what it goes towards is keeping it clean. Oh, that's huge. Right. It's truly the fees that we receive from the indoor park pay to staff it and to pay custodial hours Mm -hmm. to get it clean and keep it clean, as well as to help offset some of that administrative office. Because frankly, the congregation, the workload that we have doesn't necessarily need to be a 9 to 3.30 position. Mm -hmm. And those hours are actually not the most convenient for the work the congregation needs for the office. Sure. But because we value the park and what it offers to our community, and those hours are the hours that work for our families, those are the hours we set. Sure. So the fee helps to support the infrastructure that undergirds and makes the park possible. Oh, and we're also going to be doing, though, punch cards. So we've heard that this is kind of the preference, that instead of a monthly pass, that we'll have a non-expiring punch card for 10 visits for $40. So I remember those ages were when you get your yearly membership to OMSI and the Children's Museum. Right. And you go as often as you need or, for the parents' sake, as often as you mentally can stand it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have Wi-Fi downstairs and there are pews around the side for people to be able to sit. And you need to be supervising your kid, but you can also be present and relaxing a little bit. Sure. So. I think it's brilliant. It's a good deal. I'm a little bummed that somehow I missed that it was an opportunity for me. And I ended up at the community centers and OMSI and the Children's Museum. (laughs) It would have been nice to shake things up. Right. And we need to be doing a little bit more advertising. And that's one of the things about creative ministry spaces that's really hard sometimes to get the word out. That either you have something like an indoor park or you have space that's available for people to come and use for meetings or that there are meetings happening that the public is welcome to come and attend. Mm -hmm. Getting the word out and getting people to know and have communication and to participate is also another entirely distinct set of challenges. Do you think that challenge is compounded by the fact that we're in the Pacific Northwest where not a lot of people either are going to a church regularly or I think church has a slightly different connotation out here than it does Back in the Midwest. Maybe. I think it's also communications really hard. Yeah, it is. Right now. It's come up a lot in the last two weeks for me that people feel like they don't know what's going on. Mm. And I look at all the ways that information is being over communicated, meaning that there are lots of different ways that we're trying to get the word out that it feels like we are over-communicating, but somehow we're still missing people. Sure. And so I wonder if it's just that we have so much information coming at us all the time. Well, sure. And people are looking with laser-like focus at one, like, I'm going to get all my blah de blah news from this, or I'm going to only look at this. Yeah. And if that's the one avenue where you're not advertising, then you're going to miss that person. Totally. Or Or you're getting two people look here, three people look there, four people look there, and to try to wrangle it all in, that's a nightmare. It is. It's really hard. (laughs) I'm doing a lot on for the indoor park, doing a ton on Facebook. Sure. That's really the most current tool that we have to reach out to our indoor park families and to those who participate. So I'm doing live videos and as much as I can to kind of get the word out there. But, you know, that means anybody who's not really on Facebook sure. isn't necessarily mm-hmm. getting the info. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. It's definitely a challenge. 
Okay, my last question to you is going to be this then. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is a worthy model for other churches to implement? And how would they go about doing that? Architecture always wins. Okay. Right. So if you don't have a space that lends itself towards something like this, you're not going to be able to do it. Right? Yeah. You, you cannot force a square peg in a round hole. No. Y you just can't. But if you're a congregation or if there's a space that has this kind of a space or this kind of a need or, you know, more importantly, going out and listening to your local neighbors and saying, hey, what do you need? Sure. And they may not need a play park for infants to five-year-olds. What they might need is after school care, after school, you know, study area, uh -huh. or maybe what they need is there are no local cafes open after five o'clock. Sure. Who knows what it is that they're looking for, but churches have this capacity to be communal spaces. And when we just close our doors and keep it for us, we lose so much opportunity to interact and to have fun and to enjoy potential. I think that we gain so much from having laughter and playfulness in our building on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And we also get the benefit that we have one of the coolest Sunday nurseries I've ever seen. <laughs> it's pretty good. Right? <laughs> My daughter at 12 still prefers that to sitting in the pew, that's for I sure. I know, right? It's really hard to get them to come upstairs after a while, but... We receive such blessing from having this space, and there is so much potential for it. And there are times where it's really underutilized in the summer months when it sure. is actually nice outside. The park is pretty underutilized. And so maybe maybe then we have it as a workshop space or something else for a little while. I, I don't know. I have no idea how this is going to roll out. But it's a gift to have the doors open and to have life within the building. And so I don't know that I would specifically say to another congregation, yeah, I suggest that you turn whatever large empty room you have into an indoor play park for toddlers from zero to five years old. Okay. And here's your suggestion on how to making that work. I do suggest listening to your neighborhood, finding out what the need is and seeing where your resources meet that need and being open to be a blessing in that way. And it's not about getting more people in your pews on Sunday or padding out your budget. It's about getting to be a part of the celebration of God's kingdom together and finding a way to support that ministry and finding a way to make certain that it's valued and that it's honored. I would recommend to any congregation to really listen to what their community needs and stretch themselves to meet it. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about creative ministry spaces and specifically the Northeast Indoor Park. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening. If you are excited by this idea of an indoor park for community kids in Northeast Portland and you would like to contribute towards helping us put some new toys into the park, we would love to have your assistance. You will find a link to our Amazon wish list that on we will the podcast page. Yeah, we'll link it up on the podcast Facebook page. We'll put page. it up on Facebook too. And uh, you can click on that link and have something sent directly to us. It would be a tremendous help and a great gift. Thank you for helping bring a little bit more light into the rainy darkness for these Portland kids. Until we are back in your ears again, remember God loves you no matter what. <laughs>